What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Toys R Us went from a small furniture store to the largest showroom toy dealer in the world. But in a place where a kid could be a kid and folks never wanted to grow up, it wasn't all fun and games. In 2005, due to pressures of online shopping and numbers of kids in stores falling, the company would make a financial decision that would ultimately sink their battleship. So let's follow the bouncing ball and find out how this company of childhood dreams became a grown-up nightmare. This is Toys R Us on The Brink. Hi, I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Kasten. And we're covering a subject that's near and dear to both of our hearts, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly grew up, despite all my desire to remain a Toys R Us kid. Yeah, I guess I have grown up as well. <laughs> <laughs> we have aged, yes. if not grown up. <laughs> and Toys R Us was, uh, I mean, that was a big part of my childhood experience, the idea of going to this massive toy store that had every toy you could mm-hmm. imagine laid out in it and you could get a chance to see them in person and you know make out your your Christmas wish list or whatever and, and getting the Toys R Us holiday catalog mm-hmm. and scrolling yeah. through pages I also remember as an adult going through it and looking at you know at this point they were uh they were collectible figurines not not toys they were action <laughs> figures so the sad part of this is that in 2017, we knew that the company was going to go into bankruptcy. And then mm-hmm. in 2018, by spring of 2018, the writing was on the wall and all the stores were going to close down. Yeah, it was really disappointing because at the time they went into bankruptcy, and we'll certainly go into this more, they were hoping to come back. And we all were too. Yeah, and there's a hint, a hint of hope on the horizon, but we'll talk about that as well. Let's start at the very beginning. Where did Toys R Us come from? Well, Toys R Us was started by a gentleman named Charles Lazarus in 1948, and it wasn't actually Toys R Us at the time. It was Children's Bargain Town, 
And it was a baby furniture store in Washington, D.C. that eventually expanded into toys. Mm -hmm. And the way that Charles got into this is he actually straight out of school went and joined the U.S. Army, like a lot of our people in a lot of our stories did. And he was a cryptographer during World War II. And whenever he talked to people about what are your life goals, what are your plans, they all said, I'm going to go back home and start a family. Yeah, so he found out about the baby boom before anyone else did because mm-hmm. he found out that all his fellow soldiers were planning on booming out some babies. Yep. So he builds out this furniture store. It's like a, a small business. He's overseeing the whole thing. But he notices a problem, which is that, sure, people are having babies. He's making lots of sales and things mm-hmm. like cribs and stuff. But here's the problem with the babies is that they would have babies. And then when they would go and have more babies, instead of coming back and shopping for more baby stuff— they would reuse the baby stuff they had already bought. Yeah, people still do that, so. Yeah, so he said, well, I it's hard for me to make repeat sales if I'm going to stay in business. Mm-hmm. I need to find a reason to bring people back into the store. So he starts to carry toys, and that is successful. So then he slowly starts expanding mm-hmm. the selection of toys available at his store. Yeah, and in 1957, he adopted the name Toys R Us. And at the time, there were a bunch of self-service supermarkets coming into play, uh, which, doing this research, I forgot that self-service supermarkets weren't They weren't a thing. thing. Yeah, it was like, a, <laughs> like yeah, it was all things like general stores and, and smaller yeah. smaller markets and things like that. You'd go to like five different markets to get all your shopping mm-hmm. done. And he really liked the self-service model, so he restructured his toy store into a large self-service toy store, much like those supermarkets, or we would call it a big box toy store. And then he opened a second store in Rockville, Maryland. Right. So instead of operating as like a boutique store, his stores could actually hold massive inventories, right? If you Mm -hmm. have a small store, then you have a limited amount of space, both on store shelves and in the back. So you have to be very selective about what you carry. His approach meant he could carry everything. Mm -hmm. So this was very impressive. You would walk in, even though the interior of the stores weren't necessarily as as welcoming as like a, a Nook store would be. Mm-hmm. They had so much stuff. The toys took center stage. And that approach would prove to be incredibly successful. And it actually served as a model for post-World War II retail. Toys R Us would become the first in the category killer style stores. Now that it means it would dominate the retail space for its industry so thoroughly that it would effectively drive other competition out of business. That was helped by the fact that because his company was getting so many toys as it was growing, it was ordering so many toys, he was able to negotiate Uh, contracts with toy manufacturers, toy vendors, Mm -hmm. to get those prices down so that his store could buy them at a reduced price than what his competitors could buy. So he could actually sell them for lower as well because Mm -hmm. he could afford to. And because Toys R Us had toys available all year round, it also meant that the stores were able to compete against big established department stores, which typically wouldn't hold very many toys at all except leading up to the holiday season. This was very successful, and in 1966, Charles Lazarus sells Toys R Us to interstate stores, um, and he becomes the head of their toy department. So he is still overseeing his store. It's just bought by a larger Yeah, it's under the umbrella of interstate interstate department stores, which would later just shorten its name to interstate stores. Uh, That was a holding company in general, and it actually owned a ton of small department stores. When the holding company was founded in 1928, It was a holding company for 23 stores across several states. So 
This was already a pretty big company, even when it was just founded. And it was all to try and uh, consolidate and and create a, a center of operations for these numerous stores across different regions. In 1969, we get Jeffrey the giraffe. Yep. Uh, he becomes a mascot. Uh, and in 1973, Jeffrey the giraffe stars in his first commercial. Uh, he was hugely popular. Everybody loved him. And uh, in fact, Jeffrey still is a very important part of Toys R Us, even to this day, because Toys R Us would create a subsidiary company called Jeffrey LLC. Mm-hmm. That was the company that was the owner of the intellectual property of Toys R Us. So the Toys R Us name, Babies R Us, the Jeffrey character, all of that was owned under this subsidiary. And that IP is still up in flux. Yes. And there, we'll talk more about yes. that at the very end of this episode. So we see the Jeffrey the Giraffe becoming hugely popular, but there was other trouble that was on the horizon, right? Yes. Because in 1974, the parent company, Interstate Stores, files for bankruptcy. And so they would have to do a total restructuring. What Mm -hmm. was happening was that in the 1960s, Interstate Stores bought a discount store chain called Topps Department Store. And that ended up being a big problem. Topps Department Store was a bargain department store. Ah. And so these bargain department stores were opening in regions that other interstate stores were already in. So now interstate stores are operating different locations of different stores in the same region. But because Topps was a discount department store, it was pulling business away from the more profitable, higher so price stores. So they were underselling themselves. They were cannibalizing their own sales, yeah. yeah. So this meant that the company was starting to lose money, and then sales figures in the 1970s started to drop off, and that made it even more of a desperate time for them. And in 1973, they suffered a $60 million oh, loss, which in 1973, I mean, that's, that's a huge a amount I mean, of money that's already. that's still a lot of money. <laughs> but in 1973, even more just from inflation. And the only division that was consistently doing well was their toy division. So that is when interstate stores would restructure, they would go into bankruptcy, they'd restructure, and they would effectively turn back into Toys R Us. Yeah. And Lazarus would take the helm. Yeah, he he oversaw the entire restructuring. Uh, and then in 1975, they added more giraffe mascots. So we're kind of going from a sad thing to a happy thing. Yeah. Jeffrey got Gigi, his wife, and Junior and Baby G for his children. They got a comic strip, and they helped do advertisements for products. That's That was their real purpose. Sure. So it was, it was an interesting change as well there. Uh, 1978, just a couple of years after this bankruptcy issue— and the restructuring that would make Toys R Us reemerge as the overall company, we see another big move, and that is to go public, to become mm-hmm. a publicly traded company. It went from being privately owned to publicly traded in 1978, goes on the New York Stock Exchange. In the uh, early 1980s, the company would introduce its famous jingle that mm-hmm. declared, I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid, and yes, I can still sing mm-hmm. The entire thing. Me too. It's taking all of my willpower not to do it right now. It's a 30-second ad, and I know it all by heart because I watched that commercial so many times. I remember that uh, from bikes to trains to To video video games, games. it's It's the biggest toy store there is. I thought it was was the greatest toy store there is. It was the biggest. Are you certain? Uh, We can, you know what? After this episode, we're going to be watching some (laughs) YouTube. Uh, I'm pretty darn sure. You know, there there were probably variations, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, it was that was that popular jingle that kind of defined 
the toy store experience for me when I was a kid. Yes. And uh, by the mid-1980s, there were more than 200 stores. Yeah, and in 1985, Goldman Sachs actually said it was one of the outstanding companies in all of retailing. Mm-hmm. And Lazarus was uh, pulling down a, a pretty nice paycheck as, as well, right? He was one of the highest yes. paid CEOs in the United States at that point. Yes, which is a little bit mind-blowing. Yeah, and then they were also at this point looking at diversifying. They were uh, growing out of just being a toy company, and that's when you started getting things like Kids R Us, mm-hmm. which was a clothing store. And they also started opening up international stores over in Canada and Singapore. Uh, In 1994, Charles Lazar stepped down as CEO. And he stepped down as CEO at, like, the apex of Toys R Us's success climb. At that point, it was kind of all downhill. Yeah. As soon as he stepped down. At at the height of the the success, Toys R Us had 1,450 locations in multiple places around the world. The company was selling 18,000 different toys And it controlled a quarter of the entire toy retail market worldwide. So that includes every like mom and pop store to the mall front stores that you would see occasionally. If you thought about it, like one out of every four toy sales were taking place in a Toys R Us. Goodness. (laughs) And in in 1996, Toys R Us kind of goes back to its roots. They open up Babies R Us. Yep. Which was pretty successful. It stayed around for a a good long time. Pretty much right up to the end. Yeah. The Kids R Us faded a little earlier, but Babies R Us stuck around for a while. Yeah. Now, as we said, once he stepped down, things started going downhill. In 1998, Walmart surpassed Toys R Us as the biggest reseller of toys in the world. Yeah, and at that point, again, just four years after Lazarus has stepped down, they were on their second CEO already. Yeah, they went through a bunch of CEOs after him. and The, the company was struggling in a lot of ways. And, and Walmart was following some of the same strategies that Toys R Us had followed when it had uh, kind of established its dominance in the market. So now Toys R Us was starting to see its own tactics used against it. And it was like, ooh, I don't like this so much. Yeah, and the harder part is that uh, Walmart could kind of soak up some of the cost of selling their toys at a lower price because they sold other things as well. Right, so they could sell their toys at a deep discount, like 50% discounts compared to Toys R Us. And they could eat that because it would bring people into the stores and then Mm -hmm. they would buy other stuff that was not marked down so low. Yes. Yeah. It was really biting into Toys R Us's bottom line. In 2000, Toys R Us entered an agreement with Amazon. This is something I didn't know prior to looking into this episode. Uh, at the time, their hope was to be the only toy reseller on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Kind of an Amazon partner. Yes. And they kind of started getting into fights, Amazon and Toys R Us. Toys R Us accused Amazon of not holding up their end with the exclusivity of selling toys. And Amazon was saying, well, Toys R Us, you just can't keep up with the demand like we can. Uh, and then they, Toys R Us filed a lawsuit about this. Yep. They also opened a corporate resource center slash headquarters in New Jersey, which cost them $36 million, and a flagship store in New York. Now, this store had a giant Ferris wheel and a life-size dinosaur, and I would wager a near-life-size Barbie house. Yeah. Um, They expected it to make a ton of money and have, like, millions of visitors. And maybe it had millions of visitors, but they just weren't buying stuff like they expected. Yeah, this is also an FAO Schwartz. We'll come back into this story in a second. But it reminds me of the the New York location for FAO Schwartz, which was also crazy Mm over-the-top toy store. 
In 2003, their Kids R Us line of stores would close. And in 2004, things were starting to really look a little scary. Stock prices were on the decline. The Babies R Us stores were the really successful part of Toys Mm -hmm. R Us at that point. And there was the possibility that those could end up getting spun off into their own company. There was a worry that Toys R Us was going to follow the same path that interstate stores had. And that you might see the company, large parts of it going out of business and the parts that are successful becoming the new company. So this sets us up for the true brink moment for Toys R Us. And we know how this story ends. So we know that this is one of those brink moments that does not lead to pulling back from the precipice. We'll explain what that is in just a moment. But first, let's take a quick break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. All right, so at this time, when things are starting to go sour for Toys R Us, they decide to sell themselves to some private equity companies, Kohlberg, Kravis, Roberts, Bank Capital, also a real estate company, Vornado Realty Trust. In 2005, they sell themselves for $6.6 billion. And the goal was to overhaul the company and then get some new strategies from these equity companies to help boost sales and cut costs. Basically, an invested sort of a restructuring. Yeah, and so they actually had to buy back all those shares because this was a publicly traded Mm -hmm. company. So shareholders were paid essentially $26.75 per share. And ultimately, what the investors were hoping to do was turn the company around and then bring it public again. So this was thought of as a temporary measure. Take it private until you could fix it. And because it's private and because you don't have shareholders to answer to, you can make a lot of those decisions that otherwise you might be prevented from making because shareholders would vote against it. So you could understand what the 
logic was, it just didn't work out that way. Yes. And despite selling themselves to these equity companies, all of these restructuring costs were immense and they ended up going $5 billion into debt. Yeah. To make the stores a better place to shop and work. And as soon as this sale went through, Eiler left as CEO. And he left with $65 million, which is a lot to take when your company is struggling. Yeah. Uh, Just in my opinion. I wish that every time I struggled, I was paid out $65 million. million, Yeah. Uh, It would make the struggle much easier for me to cope with. So in retrospect, this was the brink moment, Mm -hmm. the moment when Toys R Us is taken back into being a private company. That would end up setting this company down a pathway toward ever-increasing debt and ultimately its bankruptcy because, as we will discover, year over year, what Toys R Us was having to do was try and figure out a way to finance itself for another year's worth of operation. And it was essentially borrowing to pay off Mm -hmm. creditors. So they're paying off old debt by accruing new debt. Yes. And you add to this that they're still basically fighting with Amazon. So now Amazon is reselling toys. They're undercutting Toys R Us because they can do much like Walmart did and sell toys at a much cheaper price and make up that cost elsewhere. Yeah, in fact, they even had people at Amazon saying, yeah, we're not doing this to make money. Like we're selling the toys not to make money. Which ultimately says, well, why are you doing it? Clearly, it's to run competitors out of business. Yeah. And even though Toys R Us won their lawsuit against Amazon in 2006, it did not stop them as a train of selling toys. Yeah. And Walmart was continuing on its Mm warpath. So Toys R Us at this point is fighting battles on two fronts, right? You've got the online front of Amazon and you have the brick and mortar retail space of Walmart. I know that a lot of people pointed at Toys R Us's web-based strategies as being a big reason for the company going Mm -hmm. out of business. Honestly, I don't think that made as much of a difference as this move to making it a private company and then accruing that much debt that quickly. Yeah, it might have been better to just accrue some debt and make some (laughs) small changes along the way. But in their restructure, in their attempt to rebuild their brand and get more customers— They got a new CEO, Gerald Storch. He was formerly working at Target. He got rid of a lot of upper management, closed doors, cut jobs, a traditional reorganization strategy. Right, getting rid of costs. Yeah. And then they bought FAO Shorts and KB Toys Mm -hmm. and a bunch of baby and toy websites, making Toys R Us the largest toy showroom in the world. And they had good sales, but not enough to account for all this debt. Yeah, that was the real problem here. You had an anchor in this debt. Mm -hmm. And it was like these sales, which were great. Like if the company had not been in debt, things would have been amazing. Yes. Because the sales were doing really, really well. But it was like having little little armband floaties. Which you could get at Babies R Us. But you're also chained to a giant anchor. Giant anchor, you can't really get at a Toys R Us, it turns out. Just not, not really practical. Probably not not a real giant anchor. Yeah, maybe That's a cinder cruel. block or two. <laughs> but yeah, they, they continued to remodel stores. They began to consolidate quite a bit. But again, they were just struggling and still sinking. Yeah, in 2009, they reached a payment deadline where they had to pay back millions of dollars of debt. So it wasn't just like, we'll pay back, you know, $10,000 a month. Yeah, this was a point where it was a make or break. They had to make these payments. So they took out additional loans and additional mortgages to pay off these millions of dollars of debt. And this would not be the last time that happened. No. So then in 2010, they said, hey, you know what? Maybe going private 
maybe that ended up being a mistake. We need to raise a lot of money. One way you can raise a lot of money is by going public yes. and selling shares of your company. And you get that investment and that investment can help fuel these efforts. Let's do that. So they started looking at the possibility of having another initial public offering. Yes. And they looked at this for two years. Their IPO kept getting delayed. There just wasn't enough market interest. And they had a deadline for it. So in 2013, they said, no, we're we're not going to It's not happening. It's not happening. And by that time, the profit for their company had fallen by 75%. Yeah. Also, that was profitability falling, but still profitable, right? Mm -hmm. However, that would not be the case for much longer. 2013 was the last year Toys R Us would see a profit. From 2013 on, you're talking about losses. Yes. Storch also resigned that year, the, the latest CEO. The board for Toys R Us put a three-year turnaround plan with a deadline of three years to get their store turned around under their new CEO, Antonio Ursula, who was overseeing their European division. Mm-hmm. And his goal was simply to slow the sinking of the ship. Yeah. He didn't think he could turn things around. He was just trying to slow the damage. Yep. 2015, the company decides that the New York store, the one with the Ferris wheel and the, the giant robotic Tyrannosaurus Rex and all that uh, was probably a mistake. Mm-hmm. It was expensive to operate. The rent was high. It was not pulling in the sales that they were expecting. They decided to shut that down. And they also decide that the Fifth Avenue FEO short store, the famous one in big, yeah. was also going to get shut down. I didn't know about the giant Toys R Us store, to be fair. I did know about the FAO short store, and that hit me hard. I visited FAO Shorts, that store, not long before it closed. Mm-hmm. It made me very sad when, I mean, I couldn't necessarily argue with the logic, but yeah. it made me very sad. It was definitely one of those moments, and New York definitely felt it when FAO Schwartz shut down, more so than the Toys R Us store. Yeah, definitely. Um, in summer of 2015, after they closed these stores, David Brandon came on as CEO. He had had previous success turning around failing companies. Uh, Domino's is the one that he is most famous for doing. He was able to avoid the Noid. In fact, he completely exterminated the Noid. Yes, the Noid Noid was no more. (laughs) Uh, But his knowledge for turning around Domino's didn't translate well to the toy industry, sadly. Mm -hmm. And all the money, he wanted to update the stores and the website and all this stuff and kind of get it to be a more positive experience. People were complaining that the stores weren't updated. They felt a little old and shabby. But all of the money he would use to do that was still going towards debt payments and interest payments. Yeah, so there was no money available Mm -hmm. to put as a reinvestment in stores. This would also be around the time where I would no longer even like going into a Toys R Us because of those problems. The stores were getting run down. Frequently, it was clear that they were either understaffed or that the staff was totally disengaged because there'd just be stuff everywhere. Kids would be running around like crazed maniacs. Mm-hmm. It was like it was like the movie The Warriors, but played out in play schools. With uh, tricycles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with little, little plastic bottles. Warriors come out to play. It was not great. And another problem David was having is he could possibly pull some of the money they were using to pay debt to make these updates, but there was no guarantee that it would actually get their customers who'd gone to online shopping back into the stores. Right. So it was uh, impossible to pitch that as Mm -hmm. a way that could get any real traction. So $5.2 billion of debt. And here's the crazy thing is that the toy sales were actually on the rise. Yeah, 2% in their established stores, which doesn't seem a lot. But it was their first gain in four years. When you start looking at these numbers and you realize how bad that debt was, like how how crippling it was, 
In 2016, the company made $11.6 billion in net sales, and it still can't pay off its debts. Mm -hmm. That really is a sad story. Yes. In 2017, despite all this trouble, they were ranked third among toy distributors in the U.S., behind Walmart and now behind Amazon. And in 2017, they had another $1.2 billion of debt come due, with an additional $668 million becoming due the following year. And Brandon, their CEO, tried to talk their lenders into putting off $400 million of that yeah, to, for to, the future. to defer that for a yes. later payment. <laughs> and they were, they were like, nope. Yeah, and that is what led us to the next sad chapter of this sad story. But, you know, it's so sad. I'm going to need some chocolate. So let's Me take too. a quick break. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Toys R Us filed for bankruptcy in September of 2017. They just had too much debt and not enough sales to cover it. Their initial plan was once you go bankrupt, some of that debt is just wiped off your plate. And they were hoping that enough debt would be wiped off. They could reorganize and focus on long-term growth. But they had to take out new loans to do so. They took out $3.1 billion from J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and Barclays to make it through the Christmas holiday season after filing Chapter 11, because they needed to do things like hire seasonal workers. So they file bankruptcy to get rid of some of their debt and try to get back out from underneath all of their turmoil and then immediately take on new debt. Yeah, and, but it was absolutely necessary because holiday season is make or break mm -hmm. for so many different retail industries, but in particular, the toy industry. Yes. This was kind of the long shot, right? Mm -hmm. Like if they could nail this, things would be better. And they didn't want to file bankruptcy so early uh, because filing before the holiday season caused a whole new set of problems. Their vendors were now afraid that they weren't going to get paid if the company did, in fact, go under. Yeah, that they would end up shipping all these toys to stores and then never be paid yeah, for them. Because in bankruptcy, any of the lenders get first claim to the— To any of the assets. To any of the yeah. assets. So the toy companies were worried that they would kind of be left out in the cold with a lot of losses. And so they were demanding money up front and cash on delivery to even give Toys R Us the toys for the holiday season. 
So that made it even harder for Toys R Us to Mm -hmm. try and make these goals. So how did Christmas go for them since they had pretty much put all of their eggs in the Christmas basket? Not nearly as well as they had hoped. Mm. Uh, They were about 15% less profitable than estimated based on their sales from the year before. That's $250 million less than they were hoping to make. That's a good chunk of change. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you have the lenders who have been waiting patiently or not so patiently in some cases Mm -hmm. to be repaid for the money that they have lent this company. They take a look at Toys R Us and they say, what we're going to do is liquidate you. We're going to sell off all of your assets and we figure that we will make more money by selling off those assets than if we allowed you to continue business as usual. Yeah, they did try to find buyers for the American division of the company, but all of the investors they talked to bowed out. Mm. And this hurts me to say, in March of 2018, they announced that they were going to close all their U.S. stores after 70 years of business. Yep, 800 stores Mm -hmm. in the United States, including the Babies R Us stores. They were hoping to keep some stores open in combination with Canada, but that ultimately did not pan out. Yeah, they decided to ship the inventory they had to whichever stores they thought would be the most successful at selling off that item. Yeah, so if you did not jump in on one of those Toys R Us's early, then it was a good possibility the entire inventory would be shipped off to some other uh, region where they figured that they would have the the best chance of selling that inventory off. Yeah, there was one article in the New York Times that kind of tracked one store's journey. That was a sad story. It was such a sad story. And in this story, one of the workers said that she remembers getting pallets of Skylanders and was like, how are we going to sell all these? But they thought their store would be the most successful at getting rid of all that inventory. Mm -hmm. They also sold things like break room fridges and started taking bids on the IP for things like the mascot and the name and stuff like that. It was not a great... A story for Mm -hmm. the employees who were working there. They found themselves out of a job and with no severance as well. And uh, that actually led to some organization. There was an advocacy group called Rise Up Retail that ended up holding lots of protests to bring attention to this problem. They were mad that the employees were not getting paid millions of dollars in severance, but that bankruptcy lawyers and consultants and such were getting possibly up to $348 million in fees. Yeah. It seemed an unfair equation. And they also wanted to try and and argue for legislation that would limit the amount of debt a privately owned equity company could could accrue. Mm -hmm. Because that was the big problem with Toys R Us is that by the time someone realized that the company had accrued too much debt, it was too late. There was never the company was never able to recover from that. Yeah. Um, now you know Walmart and Target and Amazon certainly did profit from Toys R Us closing to some degree, and even some smaller stores said that you know they weren't worried about these big online retailers because they had such a focused niche in toy groups. So maybe they would also get some of of mm-hmm. the people who were still doing in store shopping. Uh, Hasbro, however blamed Toys R Us's closing for them having to do a bunch of layoffs and for a bunch of third quarter losses yeah. this past year. Uh, but this is not necessarily the end of Toys R Us's story. There's been some rumbling yes. about the possibility of a return of Toys R Us. As in like the week that we're recording this. <laughs> yeah, and because we're recording this so far in advance, we're recording this at the end of October mm-hmm. 2018. That by the time this episode is published, uh, there will 
likely be some developments in this yes. story. And so this is kind of a little snapshot in history of after the company has gone out of business and liquidated its assets and before a return of some sort. Yes. Uh, the lenders who took over the liquidation of Toys R Us, including Solus Alternative Asset Management, Angelo Gordon, and Oak Tree Capital Management, recently canceled the auction of the IP for Toys R Us and are looking to reorganize it into a new retail company. Yeah, so it's still being called right now Jeffrey LLC, Limited Liability Company. Mm-hmm. So all Jeffrey LLC still retains the control of that intellectual property. It was not sold off. We know that even now there are certain things we can say for sure, which is that there's no way they're going to open up stores the way the old Toys R Us stores were open, at least not in 2018. It's just there's not enough time. There would be an enormous amount of money and work in order to make that happen. However, there is an alternative that's been proposed, and this is super late-breaking news for our show, (laughs) which is that this subsidiary, Jeffrey LLC, plans to open up shops within existing stores. So this would be a store within other stores, bigger Mm -hmm. stores that are not owned by Toys R Us. There's no details yet as of the recording of this show which stores these little shops would Uh open in, but they would be like like a department within a larger store. And they would be called Jeffrey's Toy Box. They have a logo. They did an event where the Jeffrey mascot showed up wearing a cape that said Jeffrey's Toy Box on it. And they announced the plan that they're going to open these stores within stores. I think that this is a a good idea because otherwise they'd be missing the holiday season if they wanted to open early 2019, if they were even able to. Yeah. Uh, They'd miss the holiday season, which is the most profitable season. And so they'd be struggling for an entire year before they knew whether they'd make it or not. Right. And that would just be more danger of them to, Mm -hmm. to go right out of business again. So some other interesting facts about Toys R Us before we go. Uh, One of them, very sad, which was the passing of the founder of the company. Yeah, he passed a week after Toys R Us announced it was closing all of its U.S. operations. But apparently he had been sick for a while and didn't necessarily know that that was the case. Yeah. I like that you have Jeffrey had a vehicle called the Jeffrey Mobile. We were so desperate to find happy (laughs) facts that we threw in the Jeffrey Mobile. Yes. But the company also created the Toys R Us Children's Fund, which is a a positive story. Charles Lazarus really wanted to better the lives of children who were in need, who needed safety. And so he opened this public charity in 1992, which has donated millions of dollars to nonprofits to help the embetterment of children who are in need. I'm glad we can end the story on that element to think that there was a lot of debt this company accrued. There were a lot of employees who were left in the lurch, but Mm -hmm. at least there was also some good to come out of this beyond just the consumerism. I mean, you know, we have those childhood memories and sometimes adult memories of going (laughs) into Toys R Us stores for the toys. But it's good to know that there was this sort of altruistic element as well. So that concludes the story so far for Toys R Us. Maybe by now, as you're listening to this, there's another chapter already in development. As we said, you know, we're still waiting to hear more details at the end of October 2018. Hopefully it's a happy one. We certainly hope so. (laughs) And if you guys have any questions or maybe you have a suggestion for for a Brink story we should cover in a future episode— Get in touch with us. You can email us at feedback at thebrinkpodcast.show. Or you can visit us at our website, which is at thebrinkpodcast.show. Yeah, there you're going to be able to learn more about us, the hosts, as well as see our past episodes. 
We welcome you to join us to visit it. Become part of the family. Yes. Until next time, I have been Ariel Kasten. And I still am Jonathan Strickland. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.